Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. Clucky on and this podcast should have come out a couple weeks ago but you know I do a lot of these recordings and I uh, forget <laughs> that I have them and so anyway I'm sorry Gloria it should have come out probably two weeks ago but here we are face to face a couple of silver spoon um, I uh, went and saw a show for the first time in a long time uh, uh, like an actual like uh, uh, real life show Went and saw Rock of Ages at Theater Under the Stars at the Hobby Center. Um, uh, you know, it was fun. I'll say that. It was fun. We It was a preview still. I've got a couple of people affiliated with that show that are friends of mine. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was a fun show. It was fun to watch. And it was one of those typical jukebox musicals. So uh, if you like 80s music, you've got one more weekend to go see it uh, if you're down in the Houston area. But... It's, it's just like the movie, but on stage. And they break the fourth wall quite a bit. So if you like that kind of stuff, go see it. It's uh, Lighting-wise, it was lit clearly by a theater person, not a concert person. You can tell if you're in the world of lighting. You can kind of pick that out, if you will. Um, lots, of, lots of stuff happened this week, and it's really sad. Uh, my heart goes out to the, to the folks of Arlington, Timberview. Um, that whole story is very tragic and uh, difficult to kind of uh, get your head wrapped around because on one hand you had a kid being bullied uh, to the point where he felt he had to take action and on the other hand he took action that really nobody should ever feel as though they they should take and it wasn't the right way to resolve the situation clearly uh, so my thoughts are out with uh, that group um, out there the, the everybody affected by that you know, uh, I mean, like bullying, man, bullying is such a such a hard thing to deal with. We're we, you know, personally speaking, we've been dealing with that for 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 a couple of weeks now with Ava and uh, some people at her daycare that she is now not daycare, but uh, before and after school. So uh, kind of the, the, the she doesn't see these kids all the time, but we've been dealing with a couple of kids that were up to no good at this uh, place, and I'm not gonna say say where it is, obviously, but. It's near our house, and uh, we removed her. We took her out. We just took her out of the situation. She's been a trooper. Man, you know, like uh, uh, Eleanor I can't speak too much of, but uh, Ava's been, as a as a nine-year-old, she's just freaking phenomenal, dude. And uh, uh, I hope uh, those of you that have kids can understand just the the like value of having a child that comes home and says, I my friends are trying to get me to curse and I don't want to and so I don't and you're like what I never taught you that shit anyway but um uh I uh, it's it's a it's it's just bullying is just such a nasty nasty situation and uh I don't think I was ever bullied when I was a kid because I was always the class clown the comedian if you will and so I I didn't deal with a lot of people telling me that uh uh to to that I sucked or whatever, that I was fat or that, you know, anything like that, that was totally mean and, 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 and just rude to, to say to other people. So here we are. I don't want to keep talking about that. It's getting me down, but, uh, uh, something that is exciting 
is the TTEC stuff. If you are considering like doing a workshop or, or you think you have something you want to offer to other educators, dude, reach out to me and talk to me about it. We don't, we definitely don't want to saturate with too much of the same. So if you're like uh, thinking you want to teach something that's kind of generic and you've seen a lot of, then maybe come up with something a little more unique. But we're looking for, we've got time too. Like we're not in a rush, but we, we want people to think about this stuff. We don't want to just jump into it. Um, but we want to get people that are interested in uh, teaching teachers. And that is that is the scariest thing to do. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it's very scary to get in front of your peers and think that you have something to offer them. And, and what's what's crazy about that is you do. And uh, you just have to kind of get over that stuff and, and know that, they're, that we're in the job of thievery. We are in the job of stealing from each other. And I can't tell you how many times I've taken an idea from somebody else and kind of just made it my own. And yeah, it morphs into something else, but like even like BK Goodman has that, the, the M&M lighting uh, lesson that he does with students. And he also has done it for teachers. Dude, I stole that, but I've also adapted it to make it my own too. I, I, I include clothing in that to make it more relatable to actual theater. Cause no offense to BK's lesson, it's delicious, but you're not throwing M&Ms out on stage on your set, you know. Uh, they they do melt on stage, but I don't think that's part of their campaign. They don't say uh, melts in your mouth, not in your hand, but they do melt on stage under stage lighting. Like they don't, that seems like a weird marketing campaign. But, um, you know, I, we all steal from each other. And so that's, that's great. And that goes on to another topic of mine. There's that... Uh, 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 technical theater educators on Facebook that page and I've had Donnie Covington on who is one of the admins on that that's a great page but something that we teachers and educators do and technical theater people especially we make people feel really bad about themselves when they're doing something that we don't think they should be doing or we don't agree with how they did it when in the world of technical theater and, and just theater in general there's so many right answers. There's so many right answers. Now, clear, there are some clearly wrong answers, and that it could be bad. Uh, but we're, we're very mean to each other. And I know some of you are like, well, duh, it's social media. Everybody's mean on social media. But this page is intended to help people, not to like deter them from wanting to do better at their craft and technical theater world. And a lot of these people that get on this page don't know technical theater and then we talk to them like they're freaking idiots and uh that's bad let's uh stop doing that if you're on that page like every once in a while throw a like hey be nice be kind because some people are just real rude to each other and i don't like that and i know donnie's not one of those people he's he's an admin on there and i know that they every once in a while throw up reminders of hey guys uh, may socials uh, be nice and blah blah blah, blah. but Man, uh, there are definitely some people on there that either ignore it or don't ever see it, and uh, it's very, very rude. Uh, one last thing I want to talk about, circling back around to Rock of Ages, uh, you know, that's a rock musical. Clearly, it's called Rock of Ages, and it's a jukebox musical is what they call it, but um, I don't know who they are, but they, but they call it that. But uh, there were, like, people clapping along and like, small town, like, dude, that's small town, and just, I don't think, is it called small town world, uh, Bobby, um, but, uh, yeah, there are people, like, clapping along to the music, and some people, uh, getting a little bolder than clapping, and kind of dancing along, 
And that's, I think, to be expected at a musical like that. You wouldn't do that for ragtime um, or like Little Women or something like that. You wouldn't like clap along and dance. But for Rock of Ages or um, uh, uh, Mamma Mia or, you know, things like that. Yeah, I mean, you're supposed to. And there were, you're supposed, there's no you in there, supposed to. There were ushers there, ushers, that were shushing people and telling them to to not clap along and stuff. And so people at Tuts, if you're listening to this, which you're not, chill out. Tell your ushers, relax. This isn't some classic piece of literature drama that the audience has to shush for. There are places and times and places for that. But girl, Rock of Ages is, it's called Rock. Like, like, anyway, I gotta get off my soapbox. I gotta get off my soapbox. Anyway, uh, Gloria McClucky, I've said anyway three times, I think, in the last uh, 30 seconds. Uh, Gloria McClucky was just a, like, I I could, I could just, I want to, like, go hang out with her. Um, not everybody, not everybody that I have on do I want to hang out with. Most of the people I do, but Gloria was definitely one of those people that just, uh, you know, no nonsense kind of person, which I adore. I love that. I, I, I don't know. N- nothing is candy coated, if you will. Um, and I, and I just absolutely adored and loved talking to her and I appreciate her talking to me, you know, uh, friend me on Facebook. If you friend me on Facebook, cause I've had a couple of these people, I think one is still sitting in my queue. Uh, if you friend me, like, tell me why <laughs> you're friending me that it's from this podcast. Cause I don't have common friends with everybody, so if you're friending me and we don't have common friends, I'm probably not going to accept it because I don't. I, you could be a spam bot or something, or like you know somebody from my OnlyFans or something like that. I don't know. So make sure you let me know. Uh, have a good week, everybody. Like the like the podcast, like on like on stuff, like like it and stuff. Five stars, good reviews. Okay, bye. I am a retired. Texas theater educator after 33 years. Um, I started out, I'm from Gilmer, which is in Northeast Texas, home of the Buckeyes. But I taught at New Diana, which is outside of Gilmer. And uh, I taught there for 18 years. So when my daughter graduated, well, really the year before, when she was a junior at the end of her junior year, Hempstead had tried to recruit me to come because Mark Kell was leaving. And that summer at theater camp, um, the superintendent came to see my show. So she started recruiting me and I told her I just couldn't go because my daughter was a senior and she had too many things to do, you know. So, but after she graduated, then I... Uh, She went to college, and I went to Hempstead. Um, I was in Hempstead for eight years. Um, That year in between Mark and myself, uh, Rachel Maddox came, but she came uh, in the afternoon. She worked like half a day because she had retired from Katie. So she came and worked half a day, and then they rehearsed the one act in the in the afternoons after school. So it was a it was a great thing for the kids because she was so good. But it was kind of a breakdown in the educational side of it because when I got there, they hadn't put theater in the schedule, and I was like, oh, and so that was interesting.
Um, my neighbor at the time was a principal at Waller Junior High. And he left after a couple of years and went to Corsicana as a junior high principal. And then um, started heavily recruiting me because he came to see all of my shows when he was in Hempstead. And uh, so then I ended up going to Corsicana and I was the fine arts coordinator for the district and UIL coordinator. And I taught acting. So I was in Corsicana for four years and then I was recruited to go to West Texas and I was there for two. Um, it was tough in West Texas. It was, uh, we lived in Seminole, which we loved. We loved Seminole. It was a great eclectic little town, uh, very close to Hobbs, New Mexico. That's where we had the super Walmart, Walmart because ours in Seminole was like 1970, maybe 75. Um, but we were, I was there for two years and then I thought it was time to move home. And so I moved back to Gilmer and I did my last year at John Tyler High School, which is now Tyler High School. So that's my, my travels. Each of those places truly made me the person I am today. Each of, each of those schools gave me a different side of my identity. You know, it was a interesting. Um, New Diana gave me my reputation. I mean, I was there for 18 years, and I taught junior high, high school all through my career. Uh, I did all of the speaking events for UIL speech. Uh, at New Diana, I did junior high speaking events um, and the one-act play for both levels. Anyway, UIL coordinator. I mean, I did everything while I was there. So my kids were so dadgum successful um, in all of that competition that they really, they gave me my reputation. Um, they went to state for 11 years in a row, which had not been done in 2A. That was 2A at the time. So um, that's what made people want me. So when I went to Hempstead, it was a totally different ball game because I'm outside of Houston. Um, it was 99% free lunch. I, it was very diverse. Even being in a, in a Northeast Texas town that was predominantly uh, not diverse, I still used diversity on the stage and was criticized for it in the UIL world by, not really by UIL people, but by patrons of contests, really, parents, you know. Um, but when I went to Hempstead, it was a different ball game, and it was just, I mean, I loved it. I really loved it. What Hempstead kids taught me, because I remember at Diana, there was always this, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do next? Who am I going to have next? What, you know, what's the future hold? At Hempstead, they, they taught me to live every day in the moment because they weren't promised that moment, you know, if they made it to the next day, that was, that was a home run. So, um, they taught me to live in the moment and I'm telling you there, I like learned to cherish. I mean, I cherished the moments that we had, 
uh, going to Austin when I was at New Diana, every bit of it. Um, but at Hempstead, for some reason, it became, it really was so much about the kids and not about me. They taught me how to, how it, how it really had to be about them. You know, I, I took a, one of my students that I had, he was a senior. He had never completed a season of football ever. He, he always, this anger was always in him. And um, he completed a season of football. They even went to state his senior year. And that was after we had won state in the spring. And it was interesting that, well, let me back up because the coach, the football coach was Ricky Sargent and he came the same year that I did. And I, I met him in the, in the workroom and I was like, oh my gosh, coach Sargent, I'm from Gilmer. I think you played them in the state tournament in football. I'm a huge football fanatic. And he was like very cold because they had beaten him. The Gilmer had beaten him. So that was not a good way to start but by the time I left there we were the best of friends and I you know I have always loved to use football players on stage because they're team players they're disciplined they can use their bodies you know and I'm like they're they're just the best kids and to work with so I always made sure I had football players wherever I went I recruited like the devil and um and so when in 2011 was the first time we went to state and I'd been there for five years. It was tough leaving a place where I'd been going and going and going. And then it was like, boom, it was a stop. When, when I went there, Hempstead was the old 3A, which was Travis Poe, but it was a, it was a different ball game, really. So anyway, we, we were the old 3A and then 3A became the new 2A while I was there. So still we, it was 2011 when we went and, um, oh my goodness, I was three. I mean, it was so exciting. This is the kind of kids they were. Like we went to San, um, we went to San Antonio. I'm trying to think we were in San Marcos for UIL, but we were in San Antonio for Wank play. And when we had, I can't believe I'm telling this to you, but I'm going to tell you. I know I can't believe I'm telling because I don't ever tell it. So we are sitting in at regional at, in uh, MacArthur High School and waiting on awards. And I looked at, my phone starts to ring and I look down and it's Louise. And I'm like, oh, crap. I, something's wrong. We're fixing to be disqualified over something. And so the kids sitting beside me saw that and they're like, Miss Mack, what does he want? I'm like, I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. So I get up and go and I'm like, what's wrong? And he said, congratulations. And I said, for what? And he said, I heard your show was really good. <laughs> I was like, okay. So then it hit me. I thought, I can't even think that that's really what has happened that like we've advanced. And so I went and sat down and they were like, what do you want? And I said, he just heard that our show was good. He just said that the show was good. 
and they were just they they never you know they thought okay whatever but um so we advance and when we get in the dressing room we're cleaning up getting ready because most of the kids are in UIL speech the next morning and so part of us are going home on the bus and the rest of us are going to San Marcos and one little girl stopped I mean she was cleaning and she said Miss Mack where do we get to go next that was back in the day and it was just like they were all quiet they didn't even know where we were going you know like what town where and I was like, well, guys, we're going to get to go to Austin. And they went, really? Where are we going there? Because we had been to Austin High School for area that year, I think. Or we had been there one time before. And I said, we're going to go to the University of Texas. It got dead silent. And I, I mean, tears started to roll out of my eyes because I'm like, they are so innocent. They are so... I've taught them the right thing that it's all about the journey. For the first time, I felt like it was about what we were doing and not about the win. And um, so, yeah, I, we made sure that my <laughs> my little message to them or mantra to them was work hard, play hard. And I, because I can, I like every time I've been to state with my kids, I make them stay up all night. We go to the cap. We would go to the capital to take pictures in the middle of the night, and then we'd go eat somewhere two or three, four in the morning. I mean, I made them stay up and relish every moment of it, and they're just like, "We can't believe you can do all this." I'm like, "Oh yes, we can." So that was great. They Hempstead was great. Then Corsicana. Again, my um, my principal was African American. And he, um, well, he'll, he's very complimentary of my directing, but he wanted me there so badly. And he said, because there's, there are kids here that have this talent and they're not being used. And I'm like, okay, I'm coming. And so, um, I got them got, I mean, Here's the thing, though. My principal came to me every day. When he would see me, he'd say, you know you have to go to state. I'm like, Herbert, you got to calm down. Like, that's not going to happen this year. It's just not going to happen. You know, it didn't happen at Hempstead, and they were partly trained. It's not going to happen now. But he came to almost every rehearsal after school. Um, he would bring people in, especially assistant principals, and he would say, I'm bringing so-and-so in today because they need to see how hard you work and how you relate to the kids. And, of course, I recruited. I asked him to be on front door duty every morning at 7 o'clock so I could meet every kid that was the only entrance so I could meet them all when they came in. Every Friday, I tied ties on football players, and and I recruited. And so we... Uh, um, we advanced the first time I was in shock we were all in shock again it was just at that by that point it was all about the kids to see what they you know what they could do and then we went to region and uh, my principal came my daughter was there and um you know it 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 was just like I couldn't even think about that that was going to happen it was I was just grateful to be at region 
And my principal left before the awards. And he told my daughter, I can't stand it. It makes me sick. So she got to call him and say, you need to pull over because I have something to tell you. So we did go to state that year. And, uh, well, it was the old 4A, I guess, still. No. Yes. Old 4A would have been the now 5A. And then we changed 5A. So my la- I was there for four years. So we went... The first year we went, and then the fourth year we went in 5A, and my daughter was my co-director on that show, so it was really cool. We had fun with that. And then I was recruited to go to West Texas. Um, It's a different world. Even though it's in the same state, it's totally different than any place I'd been. All of the places, well, I say they were different. They were somewhat alike, but that was a different, different thing out there I enjoyed it I met some great kids we did not and we advanced but not to state uh while I was there but it was time to come home my mother was getting older and so it was time to come home and then of course I thought that my dream job would be at John Tyler because it very much was like Hempstead but 2,500 kids as opposed to three or four hundred. My brother told me it's an urban school and it's going to be totally different. I'm like, no, 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 no. Because my, you know, my kid that made it through football and he made it through a play and literally performed in Midsummer Night's Dream at the Renaissance Festival when I was at Hempstead. Uh, I don't think I finished that part of the story, but anyway, um, and now he's in prison for murder. Yeah, so um, I love him still. I loved him then, love him now. But uh, I thought there's, you know, there's nothing. But let me tell you, it was totally different. And I don't know if it was, I don't think it's kids. I think it's administration. I think when administration changes or, you know, you act like your leader. My kids always acted like I did. And I, I would, you know, they never... A lot of people used to say people that I would compete with. And once they got to know me, they realized, oh, my gosh, she's so like down to earth. She'll do whatever with you for you. But before that, they thought I was somewhat pompous and that the kids were, too. But anyway, so that's kind of my that's kind of my thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> man, you, you I love all that. Uh, I love that you kind of made yourself go down a journey uh, through your, through your story, through your, you know, you kind of, you kind of, I like that you took some side roads. (laughs) That's not always, that's not always the case. I mean, you kind of just did my job for me, which is fine. Uh, (laughs) so, okay. So I wrote down quite a few notes. Um, uh, and I, I, none of this is in any sort of order to, uh, you know, I'm trying okay. right now to, to, to see wh- what order. So you said one thing that resonates with me that uh, I truly believe in as well. And I've said this story on here before that uh, the football player element of having football players in shows or at least within the program, you know, maybe they're not in the show, but they're a, a prominent figure in the program, which can still have its benefits. Uh, but as far as uh, the recruiting I, talk more about that because you, you said I stood at the door, you know, my, your morning duty was 
standing at the the one door that kids came through, tying ties for football players. You know, one of the things, and I know some people that I'm about to call out are probably listen to this. One of the things that really frustrates me when I talk to teachers is them saying, I just can't build a program. I just can't build a program. And I constantly want to take them and shake their collar and say, that's your fault. That's not anybody else's fault. That's that's 100% on you because it's the small things that that balloon that just blow up into that program building and i'm a i'm a big believer of that i'm like you where i was on bus duty every year while i was at Dulles high school for 7 years i was bus duty so the all you know did i catch every kid walking through the door no did i catch half of them you better believe it and so i would just yeah. i would see those kids and they saw me every day i would say hi to kids or kids would say hi to me that i never taught you know um so anyway, talk about kind of other things that you might have done that uh, helped get your program bigger and maybe just the importance of it. Well, I stepped, I stepped way out of my comfort zone, I think. Um, as an example, <laughs> probably most of my story is going to lead back to Hempstead because that's where I learned to be me. That's where I... I they just taught me to be a better human. And I had to get out of my comfort zone. You know, in uh, Diana, I taught sixth through 12th grade theater. That's what I taught. So, you know, if I got them hooked in junior high, by the time they were in ninth grade, they knew everything about one act. So it was just finding the right show for them. I still had to recruit. I never missed a ball game. I became the cheer sponsor. I uh, went to prom. I did all of those things that a lot of teachers don't want to do because they've been there after school. You you have to. Kids, I don't care where they are, even at John Tyler when I was there, and they were so hard. Not my actual one-at-play kids because I even recruited there, believe it or not. And this kid would come to my room every day, and I didn't even have him in class. But I was out and about. I was in the the theater, the little theater there was like outside. So I saw all the kids going to the cafeteria. And they, you know, they would see me, and they would see me talking to someone, Apple, who happened to be a football player. So there you go. I mean, if you've got one athlete one pretty girl you can get anybody in a program and on top of that I can bake a mean pound cake vanilla one and and chocolate and I've baked more pound cakes in my lifetime than you can even count in a year I'm sure (laughs) I mean feed them and they will come and I did that um But at Hempstead, I had them in junior high. (laughs) This is something Coach Sargent did for me. You got to be friends with the coaches. You cannot make enemies. You cannot do it. When you are all working for the same goal, and that's a win. And, you know, theater teachers get pompous. I'm going to say it. They get pompous and say, this is art. Okay, then don't be in one at play because that's a competition. You know, do your art. I mean, I feel like my plays were artistic, but I'm just saying if you're that 
in your head that way, then don't do the competition and don't do it not to win. And that's what every football coach is going to play. I mean, they coach to win. They don't coach to lose. And so Coach Sargent and I, <laughs> I had Trebet. I'll never forget. He was in the ninth grade and the ninth graders came to the library before school to get their schedules. And uh, his mom came to talk to me and she, she said, you know, I said, I want your bed. I had him in junior high. I want your bed in theater. And she said, I do too. Well, coach Sargent said, she went to coach Sargent and said, should he be in theater? And Ricky said, yes. And she said, okay. He cried, Trebek cried in the library. I never let him forget that, <laughs> that he cried. Because that little, that little turkey meddled its state. But here's the cool thing. So we performed in the McCullough Theater at UT that year. Might have been the last year. I can't remember. Um, and the McCullough, the audience is totally up above. And the judge is way up at the top. So... After region, we went out on the track because Coach Sargent was also the track coach. And we went out on the track and I made I pulled the kids out to make them go to the top of the stadium to see what that the judge would see and what they would hear. So we went to state, we won. Um and I will tell you this, my we did Moby Dick rehearsed. And it is my favorite show, and I've done it four times, and I don't mind saying it. Everybody else says it. She's done it four times. Oh. But my kid that played Ahab had been in special ed his whole career in school. And he got best actor. And then he got Samuel French. So six foot five, 350, African-American. I mean... They were some special kids. I mean, they were just special. So that, so we won. So that was exciting. So Trebet said, uh, that was his junior year. He said all summer long, because he went to workouts every morning in the, in the weight room. Coach Sargent said every day, if theater can do it, you can do it. If theater can do it, you can do it. Look at Trebet, look at Trebet. So they went to state for the first time in the history of the school in football. And they didn't win. But Trebet, who probably weighed 130 pounds dripping wet, got MVP on defense that year. And those boys that I had on that team that had been on that state stage were as calm as cucumbers. The rest were sporadic. You could tell the way they moved on the field. They were just in shock and couldn't deal. They just couldn't deal with the pressure, but those kids who had been in one act could deal with the pressure. Yeah. So, um, it's funny how it works both, you know, how mm -hmm. it works in reverse. You know, we always think, oh, yeah. yeah, we always and think. I was, Good. I was cheer sponsor at Diana, but my second year at Hempstead, we had a, a young man who was the number one wide receiver in the nation. And the cheer sponsor left the school and didn't have tryouts. And so I had tryouts. I, I came to the principal and said, I will take the cheer, cheerleaders. And he's like, are you kidding me? Nobody 
somebody. I said, just give them to me. I don't know why she sits on the track with them, but give them to me and we'll let them all make it. Well, then I realized why she sat on the track with them because they fought amongst themselves if you didn't. But um, I was there at every, every game. I mean, when kids see you at stuff like that, they know that you care about them. That's all you got to do is build that relationship and going to their activities is the way to do that. So you've talked a lot about Hempstead and as a, as an 80s baby growing up in Houston, all I think about with Hempstead is the car dealership uh, that Ray Childress used to uh, push. Anyway, that's <laughs> so. Well, you want to know something? Yeah. When I moved there my first year is when it was shut down. Oh, really? And they, they came in at three o'clock in the afternoon and fired everybody and closed the doors wow. and made them leave. That was 400 employees. Wow. That was the number one yeah. um, place for employment in that town. It wow. was so sad. Yeah. So sad. Yeah, but that's, uh, I and I vaguely remember that as well. But, uh, mm. well, moving <laughs> into horrible transition <laughs> on my part. But <laughs> so, okay. so you, but you've talked a lot about Hempstead. And uh, you mentioned earlier when you were chatting about your journey, about how you, when you got to Hempstead, you grew a lot, you learned a lot. Mm. Did you think you needed to, or did you just kind of fall into that and realize afterwards, wow, uh, that was very, that was a lot more for me than it was for anybody else. I, I fell into it. I didn't, I didn't do that on purpose. I have been kind of adventurous as a person. Well, I say adventurous, like I like to go places. And so for me to move was like a, it was an adventure. It was an, that part was an adventure. I never thought about there being um, trying times. Uh, I did, well, when I got there and we started in service and I realized there were no theater classes in the day, I knew I had a little bit of a problem. And then on that Friday before school started on Monday we got to see our roll sheets in first period I had a reading class so I thought oh that's a mistake so I go trot into the principal's office and I said oh there's a mistake a new AP she's like no it's not I'm like wait a minute I'm like I don't what what do you mean I'm teaching reading and I guess it was tax back then and I'm like they take the tax test and I'm like, are she said, Gloria, anything you give them will be better than what they've had. I'm like, okay. So I bake a cake. <laughs> I get this big bowl of candy. I have a great lesson about remember the Titans. That came in my classroom looking at me like I was the devil. Never said a word. Part were non- English-speaking children I had never had in my life in 18 years of education, you know. <laughs> I had some rough characters. Well, I, you know, I thought they didn't respond to anything I did. They, not only did they not take a piece of cake, they did not take one piece of candy out of the bowl. You know, even if they wouldn't take what I'd made, surely they would take a piece of candy. No. No, 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 no. So 
when Terrence Tolliver was the kid that was a good football player. He was a junior that year. And um, I, I remember going to the basketball coach who was also, he's still the athletic director there. I was like, oh my gosh, they didn't respond. They didn't even, they wouldn't say anything about, remember the Titans. He's like, Gloria, they don't watch movies. He's like, on the weekends, I get high and get drunk. They don't, they don't do any, they don't do any of that. I'm like, how am I going to reach them? Well, what did I do? I, we, I taught them the parts of a play and we started reading plays. And there were a few girls that would warm up a little bit. But I mean, it was really, it was so draining. I cried a lot going home every day to my friend Herbert that was my, later my principal. I was like, I don't, I don't know what I've done. You know, I don't know what, I don't know why I'm here because it's really hard. Like they're not responsive at all. And so near, right before Christmas, Terrence, the football player, came to me and he said, Miss Mack, I need some help in reading. I'm going to come to your class. I said, oh, don't do it. They're mean. They are so mean. And he was like, nope, I got to come. I said, okay, Terrence. So that first day after the new year when he was in there, he walked in, you know, and and he he sat down on the front and he said, will you read to me? I said, yeah, if you'll read back to me. So that lightened the class up. So we, it got better. Then I, I finally got something from an English teacher on how to do short answer questions on that stupid test that I hate. And um, Deonka Turner finally said to one of the boys who'd been so horrible the whole year, you need to shut the hell up. She's trying to help us pass this test. I was like, thank you, Lord. I mean, you know, that was like the light in the tunnel, but that was not until February. So at the end of the year, uh, my principal called me in. I didn't pay attention to the testing. I hate testing. I hate it. I think it's, I hate it. I just hate it. And he said, you saved your job with your reading class. I'm like, I didn't know my job was in jeopardy. He's like, well, my, the superintendent that hired me left before, like right after I signed my contract. and." Um, he said, yeah, the new superintendent didn't see a need for theater, but every one of those kids for the first time in their career passed the tax. So there you go. <laughs> and that's all they care about <laughs> for, you know, yeah, and that's the, all they yeah, cared about. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. So yeah, the, the, the standardized tests. So did you, uh, going, going in the way back machine, uh, who were your inspirations? How did you get bit by the bug? for theater or even for education? Oh, I never wanted to be a teacher. My mom, my mom is a, was a teacher. Yeah. Um, I always thought I wanted to be an actress. I, um, honestly, I had a great speech teacher in high school. We did not have a theater program, but we did one play and we did something at Christmas. We thought we were so good, but she was, so sweet and I loved her um Libby Neely in at Libby Beach now but she like Matt I mean I was a band nerd I was in band and in theater and that's just who I was um but honestly my theater bug started at church we did plays uh 
Ladies of the Tower, I remember when I was young, very young, we did that at church. So so that was kind of a, a cool thing. Uh, and that's really where I, I got the bug, I guess. And then I, um, I went to BYU right out of high school thinking that I would audition and get a role in things, but didn't realize that it was such a huge university. Uh, it was way far away from home. So I did come back after the first semester. I did come home. But then that's where I got my, I mean, it was meant to be. I went to Kilgore College and I studied under Raymond Caldwell, who was the founder of the Texas Shakespeare Festival. He just retired this last year from it. Uh, John Dodd that has worked with him all these years. I went to college with him. So I had like great people that I went to school with at Kilgore. We did beautiful theater. Doug Hoppock was also uh, my director. And he had gone to East Texas State University at the time. And that's where I went after there. I remember going to the campus. I don't know. When you walk in a theater, you can tell if it's your home. It, it just, it either makes you nervous, which means I don't need to be here. Or it calms you down and it's like, I'm home. And so that's the way I felt at Commerce. And I had some great, great directors there. Um, a little bit mean, Curtis L. Pope, Dr. Pope. Um, that was back in the 80s when you could say to an actress, if you don't get skinny, I'm not going to cast you. And uh, that never happened. And so. <laughs> Uh, but he was a great director. I did love seeing his shows and I loved, I would go to rehearsals and watch him direct. I was in a show of his and, um, but he was great. Um, Kay Kokenauer was another director that I had there. Um, and Anthony Buckley and Nathan, oh my gosh. I can't even remember Nathan's last name. That's terrible. But they were great. I mean, they were all great in their own respect. They had their different different ways of directing, and I saw different styles. And I think I'm kind of a, a montage of all of them together in a way. Uh, so Wisdom and I went to college together. And um, so we, we just had really good professors. I mean, they, I just, we just learned. When I, I know when I decided to be a teacher, we were running a regional one at play contest and I was working backstage and there was a show on stage and the actors were phenomenal, but the directing sucked. And I thought, you know, I probably have that little bit of talent that I probably could help a kid, you know, help some kids do really great theater because they're you know they that could have been really good with a really good director so that's when I decided that teaching was what I wanted to do how how long were you at BYU just for a semester and a half okay I was gonna say because that they're they're you know in the tech world I don't know how it is in in the acting directing side but when you like google search uh different you know, if you need a lesson, if you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow, and you Google search for a lesson, BYU's uh, content always comes up, if always. not the top, but close to the top. So yes, I, 
Go. I had great professors yeah. there. One class that I took, well, I had an acting class that Robert Redford came to. Oh. That was pretty cool. I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, he's short. Oh, really? Oh, really? oh breaking yeah. news. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's not, pre- he's not presented as short. He like, stands on a box. Oh, oh my gosh. This, this podcast might get shut down. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then I had a, um, I took a movie class. Oh my, a film class was so amazing. And of course we got to watch film, uh, one day a week. And, um, he was roommates with James Dean in college. Just saying. So I've been, I have like, I've always said I should write a book. I've never done it, but I should. It, truth is stranger than fiction, that's for sure. But I've had some cool experiences and people that have just like sparked talent in me. I mean, I, I will say Tal Lestraco, we became friends Um well, we became friends, I guess, at a state contest because he was standing outside smoking as I was walking by one day at one night. And he said, hey. And I said, yeah. He said, have you played second at state more times than me? I said, I don't know how many have you done. Anyway, that's what, that's how he started the conversation. So then we started. I was in the first Taos camp I directed while he was for quite a while that's funny that's a good introduction (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah uh so you mentioned and and i don't know if i have a question coming out of this but i can um kind of give you some sort of confirmation in your feeling but uh you're the walking into a theater knowing if it's right or you know knowing knowing if it's home i when and I've done that with education, I'm not going to speak on which ones were felt right and which ones didn't because because <laughs> I, I don't want to incriminate anyone. But I can speak on that when I was in my touring days. I mean, I've been in over 150 different theaters in this country, and you can walk in and know immediately if it's a theater that's going to treat you well or if it's a theater that's not. And it doesn't have to do with the people. It's just about just kind of maybe looking around and just kind of seeing the space and. I totally, when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, that's a hundred percent true. But I guess yeah. I've never been able to kind of vocalize that, but so no question out of that. So, uh, the, the, the next kind of area I want to go is the admin area a little bit. Um, you mentioned, uh, was it Corsicana that you were fine arts director, uh, uh, coordinator, fine arts mm-hmm. coordinator. So, but you mentioned also teaching. And so, while you were there, while you were fine arts coordinator. So one of the things I've always been an advocate of, and I am a a certified administrator, I just haven't gone down that path yet. But one thing that we talked about during my certificate or during my uh, master's program was getting administrators, mandating that administrators be in the classroom a certain number of days a year, you know, no, so that they can be updated and and know what the you know if there's somebody that's been out of the classroom for 10 years kids have changed uh the the system has changed and they're in charge of the system without knowing what has changed you know it'd be like being the ceo of coca-cola not knowing what's in the coke can um you know so 
did do you think that was that something was that a conscious decision that you made or was that just part of the job or was that like did you even at the time think about oh I need to get in the classroom or was that just hey Gloria you're going to do this no and this? Her, her, my principal said this is how we're going to work it yeah that you teach theater production classes which I consider acting classes because that's where you're going to get performance out of them um and then there was another teacher that did theater one and uh theater arts and technical theater at that time but yeah um yeah I've always loved the classroom I love teaching I, I always have um and man just to be able to teach theater production all day and not have to do <laughs> other stuff and and then be able to work on UIL and go to different campuses. It was like, it was like a dream job. And then of course he left me after the first year. So that all changed. Yeah, I get that. That's always the way it happened. The, the school I was just hired at, which is a total dream job. The, the head of school is retiring after this year. So the guy that hired me and great personality, super, you know, super uh, supportive and uh, very outgoing, got his personality and my personality uh, uh, mix well. He, mm -hmm. under, he understands sarcasm, uh, which not every administrator <laughs> does, but so, and he's yeah. leaving. He's, but I knew that going in that, you know, the guy that hired me that, that decided he wanted me is, is, is out of here. So fingers crossed that <laughs> I can stick around, but I don't, I don't have any, I don't think I'm going to have any problems, but anyway, so, uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I, I did have a question about, um, the, or, or, or kind of, again, a conversational piece about acting like your leader. And again, it's one of those things you you quickly talked about, you quickly just mentioned it, but it, it resonated with me because uh, I feel the same way. Good or bad, your kids do model and, and mimic their leader. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, I know that when I've walked into positions my first year, I would be, you know, immediately approached and you you've can probably attest to this by other adults in the building that say, oh, well, they used to do this. And I, man, it'd be nice if you could just, you know, maybe try doing this or doing that or, you know, other people would have opinions based on how you should run your program. Mm -hmm. And it just, you just have to say, hey, give me a couple of weeks, you know, give me, give me some time because these kids will eventually just again, start mimicking who they're, who the boss is. Um, mm -hmm. and so that goes back to, to kind of what you were saying about also the changing of administrators. So if they have nobody to mimic or they have nobody, no consistency in that, in that world, they're going to struggle. And so you going to Hempstead, uh, was it Hempstead that was a revolving uh, before you got there was a revolving door or was it? No, it was, um, it was the two, where were you for two years? Or maybe I'm wrong about that. John Tyler. Okay, I was John at John Tyler, Tyler for one year. One year, okay. At Tyler High School, yeah. So. It wasn't much of a revolving door, but it was very much a um, playtime. Okay, got it. Everybody had fun. We had fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just wanted to have fun. I get that. They didn't want to learn. They didn't want to. Here's, I think this is my philosophy. Maybe this is a title of a book. They wanted to not learn T-H-E-A-T-E-R in order to be in the T-H-E-A-T-R-E. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? They didn't want to, they just wanted to do what they wanted to do. And as far as uh, their leader, it, not me, but the leader yeah. never came out of her office. Right. You know, so that's a, that was a bad deal. Yeah. Um, but those kids advanced for the first time. in 20 some odd years that year I was there and it was a small group and oh my gosh I loved them dearly and wish I had them they were great yeah they were great I mean they were great kids yeah with when did you when did you sort of fall in love with the one act play system I've always been competitive yeah Okay. I was on a I was on a panel at TTA one year and they asked us what our dream job would be. And I was like an NFL football coach, head coach. <laughs> and like, Are you for real? I said, Yes. Are you kidding me? I am for real. So I've always been competitive. Yeah. I don't know if that comes from my mother. My mom and I've had this discussion. Um, my brother is 13 years younger than me. So it was like two separate families. Right. Um, and I have a state championship he in high school went to state and won with auto mechanics and then he coached at Gilmer one of the years that they went to state and won my daughter is a multi state champion and so we're hoping that my nephew he missed going to state in golf by one stroke last year so we're hoping that's going to change. But I've said to my mom, what did you, because she basically raised us by herself. What is it that you did with us that made us so, I think, resilient in the competition, in the competitive area? Well, she doesn't know. She's like, I don't know. But I think I do. Is She never let me quit. Like, you know how... My philosophy is don't ask a teenager if they had a good time. You tell them what a great time they had. You have to play it that way. And um, they're going to complain if you let them. And that's one thing mom said. You can just be mad all you want to be. And when it's over, you don't ever have to do it again. But you're going to finish. So I think that's something that has always made me, ever since I was little, I've I was in an art contest. I was in, I've just always been competitive. And um, when I started at New Diana, the the first year I taught only junior high because the theater teacher there had been there for a few years and she'd been to state. They had placed. And um, then she left my second year. So he, the superintendent gave me junior high high school theater that he never would do for her. But um and he said to me, you know, there's only one place to be, and that's at the top. And I still, and then my next superintendent, <laughs> I went to him crying one day because nobody likes me. He's like, Gloria, I can tell you exactly how to make people like you is start to lose because everybody likes a loser. There's no competitiveness there. So if you, I was like, no. But he, even until I retired, because I always, I'm a Facebooker, and so I would put stuff on there, and Mr. Noel would always put on Facebook when it was contest time what he said to me every contest when he was my superintendent. I'm with you, win or tie. 
So I think that, you know, that coach feeling was always there. It's always been ingrained in me somehow. Yeah. No, nobody likes the dog that looks like it's going to bite you. You know, they don't want to be threatened, you know, so, so it goes along with that. Uh, the, if you want people to like you, you just have to, you, you have to lose. I mean, it's, I, I love that. That's true. It's, it is, you know, I'm thinking about all my friends now. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but so, okay. So let's have some fun then. Cause you mentioned the football thing. So as we record this, the Texans are playing. I don't know if you root for the Texans or not, but. Yes. Uh, okay, so. Where's my, I didn't even realize they were playing tonight. Yeah, they're, they're, well, they, they, why they, is that not? They're, they're, they're 20, they're 20 minutes, <laughs> they're 20 minutes Dang, into the game. So we'll get off soon. Yeah. But, okay. but if you, if you could coach a team, what team would you coach? <laughs> long pause. I'm not going to take this long pause out. <laughs> yeah, we got to think about it. Dad Gummin, I would try to coach the Cowboys. Okay. There's something that has to happen with them. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. I mean, okay. that I, I, there's something that has to happen. Okay. Because <laughs> they were my team when in my youth. Right, right. My, my mom and stepdad used to get season tickets. So, like, I've, met Dan Reeves and all that kind of thing, wow. you know. And we went to the Houston-Dallas game. I took my daughter and my niece and nephew. He's a senior and she's a sophomore. And so we went to that game in Dallas. Okay. And uh, my niece had broken her leg, so she was in boots. So that was pretty cool because we got to go places we didn't intend to go. But they wanted to go up and down the stairs, so I go and get in the elevator. <laughs> Who was it? It was on Martin All these oh. men get on this elevator. All these, all these coaches, all of these uh, media people, yeah. and I'm just standing amongst all of them, and it was just like pure heaven. <laughs> I mean, it really was. <laughs> what, did, what did that? That had to be an interesting smell in that elevator. That <laughs> it was before the game, not okay. after. Okay. Then good. I get a phone call from my daughter, like, "Where are you? They won't let us. You have the tickets on your phone." I said, "I told y'all to get yeah. the elevator with me." You're like, "I'm so. putting, I'm putting my headset on. Leave me alone." Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's funny. So okay, did you, so when where you grew up was that? Uh, did they only show cow? They didn't show Oilers games or. Did they show Cowboys games and, and that kind of oh, stuff? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, back in the day that we didn't see Oilers games. Yeah. 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 They weren't, we didn't. Okay. Uh-uh. Well, you missed out. But, but we uh, did see Dallas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, they were okay back then. Uh, well, good for you. So, um, uh, you, you've had a, a very, um, commendable, respectful career. Uh, and I, I want you to now end this with, some sort of advice. I always try to end with advice with, you know, somebody saying something profound. And usually what I cut off, usually what I cut off, you know, I, I end the conversation where I want to end it to make you sound good, but always, almost always right after it's done, I have to quickly edit out the part where the person goes, was that good enough? That probably isn't what Uh you were looking for. So I don't want you to feel (laughs) now that I've let, let my secret out. I don't want you to feel like there's any pressure because you seem like a a really good sport. Like I could sit and probably talk to you for a while, but now that I've alerted you to the fact that there's a football game on, um, you're, you're you're starting to sweat a little bit. So, uh, (laughs) uh, so I want, I, I, I don't know what kind of advice I want, you know, like you've already said so many, uh, things that I think are going to resonate with a lot of people that listen to this, 
a lot of teachers, a lot of new teachers, especially uh, that may be, you know, right now, a lot of new teachers or, or even I'll say fresh teachers. I don't want to necessarily say new because even mm-hmm. a, a three day old banana is still pretty fresh. But um, I say, you know, speak to just kind of where we are now, I guess, in a way, and, and maybe uh, how you've seen things grow and change and that uh, I kind of <laughs> maybe maybe this is selfishly just for me <laughs> and and my and my wife who's who's struggling in a in a te- in a theater teaching job too but let me know that everything's going to be okay Gloria you know just <laughs> just you know uh you know speak on uh you've had such awesome experiences with a variety of kids and a variety of administrators but I don't want you to incriminate administrators um uh, I, I'm stalling and I'm just blabbing, but if you have something profound and, uh, beautiful, then, you know, let, then, then speak on it, I guess. <laughs> um, you have to build relationships. I have a, I have a student, a former student who's a theater teacher and he talks to me two or three times a day. This is his second year. And so today he was like, I chewed their asses out. I'm like, you know, okay. And he said, this kid is scared of me. I'm like, well, do you know why? And he said, I don't. I said, because of the things that you've told me, the kid is probably abused at home. And I said, you have, you can be the parent figure and you can chew him out. And then you've got to say, I love you. And this is to make you better. This is to help this program grow. This is to help you find your potential at where you need to be. Because I was, I was hard on kids. I even was my last year teaching. And I, you know, this, uh, so I learned more from me than they did from them than they learned from me. I was like having a fit one day at rehearsal. And so this kid that was not in my class, who was into one act and oh my gosh, he was so naturally talented. It would make you sick. He was so good. And I was like, I can't deal with y'all day. I'm going home. Cause it was on a, you know, it was not on a school day. And he was like, Nope, you're not. You're going outside with me. Okay. His name was Kumar. I said, okay. And he was like, with tears in his eyes, you come to school every day and, and you are doing your job, what you're supposed to do. But we're coming to school and we are our parents. We are the head of our household. We aren't told what to do. We have to make those choices. And that light stopped me. I was like, and I think that happens more times than not. And it's not even socioeconomic always. It's out of necessity for working parents, for parents. Or, you know, it doesn't mean that anything bad even is happening, except that kids are raising themselves. So I think you have to 
like after that, I talked more as if they were my peer instead of my student. I mean, I still treated them like kids. They still might call me mama or mama Mac. But you got to see where they're coming from. And when you've got kids that, and this is, and I think it's not just, and I just think it's all over now. I think the world is a different place. They don't have homes. They live in hotels. They, you know, if you, if you followed some of the buses, you'd see where they live. I, I was, even my last year teaching, I was in shock about how our world has changed and how it affects our children. And that's, you got to know where they come from, build that relationship with them. And they will, they'll move the world for you. They will move the world for you if you show them that you care about them. Minor wisdom.